it was always part of the plan to put a brewery in, but for many years it, it was just a plan. It's 100% acquisition of Green Beacon. No, we had a chat with everybody. Anyone would have seen this coming a mile away. It's the passion and the, the dedication to beer and brewing. Oh, yeah. That's super simple and direct question. It's always fun to get to speak about beer. And that's just what we're here to do, talk about beer and the brewing industry and have a conversation with the people who make the industry what it is and see what we can learn from them. And this week, I speak with Peter Filipovich, who is part of the consortium that has purchased Jetty Road Brewing from Mighty Craft. Peter, or Flip as he's better known in the industry, is something of a white whale for me. He spent 25 years with CUB, finishing as CEO, and in that position was high on my list of people I very much wanted to interview. I never got the chance, but today I do. We have a great conversation about his decision to get involved in the purchase of Jetty Road, as well as his confidence in the market that led to it. We discuss a lot about the role of craft beer in reinvigorating the brewing industry, but also where the small breweries should tackle the majors head on. And there's a lot more besides. It's a great chat with somebody who knows more about the industry than most. So this is my chat with Peter Filipovich. Peter Filipovich, welcome to Beer as a Conversation. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Oh, it's, a, it's a pleasure. It's been a, a long time I've uh, wanted to have a chat to you, given your experience in the uh, beer and brewing industry that is set to continue further. Uh, yes. Yeah, well, uh, I, I do love the brewing industry. I, I, I started drinking uh, beer as a young kid and then uh, managed to get myself a job at CUB uh, many years ago and uh, kept... Um, Kept doing different things, having great experiences, and managed to uh, stay there for just over 25 years. And finishing as uh, CEO, I should add. Yes, yeah, finishing as CEO, and then uh, less than less than sort of two years later, um, wrote back into um, uh, being part of a group to buy Jetty Road. Okay, so uh, when you say roped, how how uh, voluntary was it? Oh, it was voluntary. I do say it in jest. But, uh, <laughs> um, Jetty, Jetty Road, uh, I, I truly didn't know too much about early days, but um, I, d- I did have a lot of uh, friends who uh, were at Mighty Craft and uh, Mark Haysman, who you probably interviewed a couple of times on this, uh, is a good friend of mine. Um, and he was selling uh, Jetty Road. I can't remember the exact timeline, but he was selling Jetty Road. And at the time, uh, I was quite um, comfortable uh, owning a couple of pubs with a few publicans and doing a bit of consulting, and I said I wasn't really interested, and um, and then he sort of persisted. Uh, a couple of months later, um, had a conversation, looked at the uh, financials, did a bit of due diligence, and I, I think I've uncovered a, a real gem. You know, Jetty Jetty Road has been around for uh, many years and has really built a following down in the peninsula, and wasn't really given a chance to. Um, expand nationally uh, for various reasons, including um, COVID, um, based on the life stage of the brand. And I, I, I do truly think they have some great beers and it has the potential to be able to expand beyond its remit in um, or its original remit on the Mornings Peninsula. It is an interesting one um, because it, it was a, a small brewery uh started um you know a, a couple of years ago the, the original founders sought outside investment and they left the business fairly quickly afterwards which seemed to uh you know the, the and the brand seemed to lose a little bit of momentum just as it had the the, the 
best resources uh, that you would have thought would have helped it? Uh, yeah, I, I, I don't know the circumstances. I, I do know Blake and Grant, uh, the original uh, founders, they're back with us um, as ambassadors for the brand and really helping. I'm picking their brain around what worked, what didn't work when they first launched it. Um, they did have a huge presence on the peninsula. The Mighty Craft acquisition, again, I don't know what happened, what didn't happen, but it did also coincide with a, a, a time period where we went into COVID. Um, so expanding beyond Victoria was really difficult, um, particularly when you can't deploy resources, I mean people, um, to be able to grow the brand. Um, they did uh, leave for whatever reason and, um, and now they've been reunited with the brand they um, truly love. And they were described in the media release as ambassadors. How does that work for them? We just started, but uh, <laughs> you know, I, we, we, we uh, you know, we, we assembled a, a group of uh, people, including myself and a bunch of publicans, to um, to buy the brewery um, and really to have a bit of fun with a small beer brand. It's not about um, you know taking off CUB or or line taps. Um, it's really taking the uh, discretionary craft beer taps that you may have within a venue, mm-hmm. um, which they've been incredibly successful uh, with down on the Mornings Peninsula. Um, and then uh, post a, a bit of time, I ended up being connected through a mutual friend with uh, with Blake originally and then with Grant following that. And um, we, we had uh, a couple of uh, Jetty Roads threshing out a conversation and uh, they're um, plans for what they wanted to do with the brand really aligned with what I was trying to do. And uh, we had a conversation and, you know, within uh, a short couple of hours, we decided to um, get them back involved. What that looks like in the future, we'll, we'll work through. Um, but I'm sure it's going to be for mutual benefit. So I mean, they're not involved at this stage in day-to-day. They're not stepping back into their, their, their former roles Um no, they, they're involved in a, a number of different uh, capacities. They're, they're assisting on a part-time basis here back at the brewery. You know, Blake, Blake has great experience with uh, brewing and uh, grants uh, a sharp financial brain. So I'll, I'll use them uh, to be able to assist me with um, growing uh, Jetty Brand in those respective areas. The figure of $3 million was bounded around in uh, some of Mighty Craft's uh, financials. Is uh, Are you able to give a figure on on what the, the, the business was purchased for? No, no. Uh, uh, those deals, uh, Matt, uh, confidential between the parties. You know, they've, they've, Mighty Craft have done a release. Um, I won't make any further comment around the um, the price that we paid for it. All I, all I do know was doing, you know, roughly in terms of volume, about 500 uh, thousand litres. Um, they have capacity to do a lot more, and we'll look to, you know, take advantage of that within our uh, network of investors. I, I, I'm, I'm sure you appreciate. I have to ask, <laughs> ask the question. Um, yeah, yeah, no problem. But uh, I mean, it, it's an interesting time for the brewing industry. You, you've described it as a, you know, a, as a great asset. Um, where do you see the beer market at the moment? Uh, well, I'm a big fan of the beer market. I, I think it's um, uh, extremely, um, uh, what I say, uh, profitable um, for, for all parties, but also one that has some amazing brands, you know, you know, some of which I used to represent in my former capacity at uh, CUB. Um, I'd, I'd say the beer industry is not too different to a lot of industries. You know, I, I do think we'll be facing um, some tough uh, economic times ahead and, 
um, brands um, such as ours need to work continually um, harder to be able to have presence within the industry. You know, Jetty Road's no different to many other craft beer brands that are out there. The trends across all um, products are that uh, people are spending less. You know, so the value equation is becoming um, more relevant to, to most consumers, not all consumers, but most consumers. And, and that has meant craft compared to maybe what it was two or three years ago has lost a bit of value. Um, but so is all categories. So I don't see beer as being any different to, you know, most other categories in the market. It's interesting you say that because I've heard very conflicting views about whether people are spending less, whether they're spending the same, but drinking less, which means in, you know, higher value purchases, but spending the same for less, um, or moving away from beer completely. What, what's your um, read on, on that? I don't have all the data that I uh, used to, but I, I, you know, beer, beer is still very relevant within the um, consumer base. There are more people drinking um, ready to drinks uh, relative to what they were before, um, uh, which is a product of um, uh, the, the the trends that are out there and the the new brands that have come to take advantage of uh, uh, the opportunity. You got to, you know, you see the Suntory product out there. You see. Art Solo being launched more recently, uh, Vodka Cruiser over the last few years, they're all becoming more relevant um, as brands and also as a taste profile. Um, but, you know, within within the beer category, um, you know, Stone and Wood, uh, uh, which is acquired by Line, has done an incredible job being relevant um, in different times. I don't see that dropping off. Uh, Great Northern has become uh, the biggest brand in Australia and growing um, exponentially, and that that is, um, I think, specifically a, you know, like a moderation trend, and also the value equation uh, with people that are out there, and um, uh, there, there is a shift back to more traditional beers, such as VB, and two is new from more expensive uh, craft beers, maybe that were there a couple of years ago, and indeed with craft beers, I, I see craft beers as being cheaper than what they were before, and that's also trying to just capture the share of market that maybe. They were losing at a higher price point two or three years ago, and that's a challenge, though, isn't it, for small breweries that you know have a higher cost of goods sold when they're not getting the margin that they probably felt that they should be getting. Um, it, it puts a lot of pressure on small businesses. Yes, it does. I, I had a bit of a rude awakening seeing the cost of goods sold when I did the due diligence on this brewery it was nowhere near the prices I used to get when I was part of CUB, which is a product of. Uh, how big you are, I suppose, and mm. how efficient how efficient you can be when you're producing large volumes of particular products. Um, but again, um, it challenges you to be more relevant to the consumer. Um, uh, you, you do need to think about um, the value equation when it comes to volume. Obviously, the more volume you produce, even if it is at lower value, the, the lower the cost per unit uh, with the various inputs you have. Uh, and you don't, you don't have many inputs with um, with beer, probably less so than most other categories that are out there. Um, but um, it, it is tough, yes. Yeah, we've seen probably a 20-year cycle or a 23-year cycle, um, if you go back to Little Creatures, in when it launched in 2000, when craft beer has really been uh, a growing um, and you know more recently maturing industry. Do you think the cycle is turning away from craft beer? Uh, oh, it depends how you define craft beer. You know, like <laughs> yes, is, it does. Uh, is Stone and Wood a craft beer? Is uh, Bolter a craft beer? 
Oh, I think they are. I don't think independence um, def- defines the marketing category. So I, I, I think they would clearly be w- within the craft beer category. I, I would imagine you know some of the beers that don't fit into that traditional lager, um, you know, Australia, Great Australian Lager category, um, really fall into the craft beer space. Yeah, but you know, like if I, I use those two examples deliberately, you know, Stone and Wood created a a beer effectively called a Pacific Ale and. Um, grew, grew exponentially over a number of years and continue to do so under the stewardship of Lion. Uh, Bolter did the same. Um, you know, 20 years ago, there was no such thing as an XPA. And uh, now, uh, if you look at certain postcodes, um, Bolter is the largest selling beer um, ahead of all the what you would call or label as mainstream beers um, in those postcodes. You know, I'm talking central Melbourne, central Sydney. So, you know, if you define them as craft beers, uh, they're, they're, they're not actually um, against the trend. They're, um, they're going with the trend. Uh, and that, to me, goes, don't label it as a craft beer, label it as a beer, um, and then have a look at the relevance of the brand and how good the quality of the beer they're creating. And in those two examples that I use, um, the trend is with them, not against them. Mm. Well, point taken. But then, if we look at the beer category, it is in decline. Um, you know, we're we're not finding new beer drinkers um, to replace the old ones, and beer probably doesn't have the, you know, cultural cachet in in Australia that it once did. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's factual. You know, and that that was a challenge for the beer category over many years to continue to make itself uh, relevant and not lose share to. Um, other categories within the market. Yeah, so that's absolutely the case. The beer is losing um, volume over time and, you know, share of throat versus other alcohol categories. And, and you, you did talk about the you know, rise of the RTD category and I'd look at, you know, probably the under 30s and particularly the under 25 um, age group, which seems to have very, very little incentive or motivation to take um, up, you know, beer, which is a is a bitter product, um, doesn't have the sweetness of some of the other things, and then also, you know, probably, um, you know, in terms of fashion, uh, they would like to be seen to be drinking something uh, different to the cohort that's older than them that really embraced craft beer. Is that you know, is that a risk for the for the brewing industry? Yeah, yeah, it is, but it's also you know, it's an opportunity. Um, now, if I look at, you know, my son who's 21 and his cohort of uh, friends, they, they still, you know, search around to see which pubs have Carlton Draft Tank beer, um, which is providing some romance to the category and has done for many years. Uh, I know it has a, a very good taste, but he wouldn't know. Uh, he's a 18, you know, he was an 18-year-old coming into the category. Um, but, you know, does he drink as much beer as when, as, as when I was 18? Absolutely not. He has... You know, RTDs within his consideration set. Um, we, you know, whether it's the Suntory product, whether it's um, rum, you know, which uh, has also taken a um, an upswing um, and share from beer over time. Uh, yeah, so I, like to cut a long story short, I do, I do, I do think it has its challenges, um, and it is less relevant to young consumers versus maybe 20 years ago. But that also presents an opportunity. Although, the, for example, the Canadian club campaign, the over beer campaign, was a hugely successful way of, you know, 
permission marketing, given giving young men or and even older men um, permission to admit that you know, they, they, they didn't actually like the flavour of beer. And that's been fairly uh, pervasive and persuasive. Yes, yeah. And you'd be yeah, a lot of people thought that was younger men, but there's a lot of older men that I know that um, – and, and it wasn't just not drinking beer. It's more after a few beers, you, you need something maybe that's a touch more refreshing, so they chose a Canadian club over drinking more beers. Hmm. Now it was interesting. You, you you talked about you weren't you didn't want to take on your former employer um, in CUB and uh, your, your former competitor in Lion, um, but were chasing the discretionary taps uh, with, with, with Jetty Road. Um, how do you go about doing that? Uh, you know, are you going to limit it? I, I think I've I've had uh, um, Blake say in the past that you know they were looking at you know five kilometre increments from their backyard um, was the strategy they first adopted. Is, is, is that what you're going to be looking at doing? Well, I think, uh, well, there are two different questions in there. I think that the, the second one you raised um, is, a, is a given, which is um, uh, be, be the beer of the peninsula. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think it once was, but, you know, uh, it may be, uh, lost its presence versus uh, when it was launched uh, five or seven years ago. Um, so there are plenty of opportunities to become more relevant in, you know, in what I would say is your own backyard. Um, a- outside of that, um, uh, if, if you look at uh, the way pubs um, do their agreements, um, you know, the, the reality is you're not going to put 20 Jetty Road beers on tap and uh, capture your consumer base. Uh, if you have, if you have your, if you look at your consumers, uh, still the majority of them are going to be drinking Carlton Draft or or Line products. So you do a, a, you know, like a primary deal with um, with those two, and then you have a um, a certain number. Different pubs have different number of taps, but if there's you know one to five taps that are available as discretionary, I, I would I would like to see that over time, the Jetty Road will take up the mantle of taking up more of those. Uh, on the basis of its um, brand growth and relevance over time. It won't happen overnight, but um, I, I think plenty of people make mistakes in, you know, trying to take on, you know, Carlton Draft or Two Is New, depending on where you belong or Great Northern for that matter. This isn't about taking on, it's about complementing the, um, the the tap range and, and ensuring it remains relevant to all consumers. So if I, you know, if I... If I have 10 taps, for example, and I put on 10 Jetty Road taps, uh, which there's, there is there is 10 different varieties out there today, I, I'm, I'm sure to alienate the consumer that comes into my pub because there are consumers that come into the pub that are looking for more than just one product. Are those consumers drinking um, Carlton Dry or, uh, or Carlton Mid or um, Great Northern for the brand or for the flavour? Both. So Jetty Road wouldn't be able to compete um, in, in the flavour stakes and make a beer to um, that, that, that was relevant to, to the um, Carlton Draft drinker, for example. Oh, well, you, you could, yeah, you could, um, but you know, I'm not going to be spending the millions of dollars on marketing the Carlton Draft. <laughs> uh, um, but yeah, if you look at the flavour profiles, generally speaking, you have a um, a lager, um, like a full strength lager, or a, a mid strength, or even a no alcohol lager and then you have uh, pale ales and then you have um, a whole bunch of peripheral products, you know, whether they're IPAs, um, stouts, um, etc., or a combination of those things uh, for, for, for want of a better description. 
um, I, you know, we'll, we'll definitely have a, a good lager and a good pale ale uh, to be able to complement the range for that, that a lot of publicans want to put on their taps. And but you'll you'll be adding to, for example, the the, the the mainstream brand leaders as opposed to trying to target them and take them off tap in favour of your own. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I I think that you know if if if, if a strategy listen we just we we've, we've just acquired the brand but yes you know, uh, I think uh, there's a lot of people that have failed by um, saying take off Carlton Draft and put on my product. I'm, you know I'm not anticipating. Uh, doing that without even thinking through it, I wouldn't be doing that. I think that would be um, not suicidal, but something close to that from a business perspective. Um, I, I think our our role is to complement the range of beers that people have on tap already um, by competing in that space, which is the you know it's different for different players. Some is a you know some are are completely craft in some venues, but you know for the most part. Uh, in the main bit of the market, you you might have you know somewhere between you know one to five taps that are discretionary, and our our role will be to take that on, as well as um, complementing that with uh, Fritz Space. You know, there's plenty of opportunities with Fritz Space and activating brand um, in that area. Although tap beer, if if you're in on premise, uh, tap beer is is by far and away the the the, the preference, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it's it's. Uh, it, more more beer is drunk in um, uh, in draw or in keg versus pack, uh, but where you have limitations around keg, there's nothing wrong with um, you know having cans or bottles in the fridge and activating against that. Um, there's plenty of opportunities to be able to do that. It sounds like you've given a lot of thought to strategy for the business. How involved will you be in the day to day operations of Jetty Road? Uh, not very. <laughs> You're yeah, retired. But- uh, yeah, well, uh, the the idea is to, uh, you know, I, I think I had the best job in Australia running uh, CUB for many years, so I, I wasn't going to leave that to to run Jetty Road. <laughs> um, but 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 you know, sitting on an advisory board and uh, you know mentoring people and and yeah. helping um, with the growth of uh, this brand does interest me. Um, but yeah, it's not. Uh, I won't be heavily involved. But as a publican yourself, and you have been involved in running a number of pubs, um, quite apart from your time with CUB, you, I would imagine that you'd be approaching and advising Jetty Road um, from a publican's perspective of what you need um, from a brewery. Yes, yeah, yeah, but that's more in an advisory board capacity, not a mm. not a uh, um, a day to day, you know, full time job, you know, for one, for one of a better description. <laughs> but as somebody that you know takes a, a publican's view of, of of the beer market, what mistakes do you see craft brewers make in trying to get those discretionary taps for themselves? Well, I, I think the first mistake some make, and some have done it better than others, is to not take the discretionary taps to try to do a an agreement that takes on line or CUB. Um, and I, and I, I think that's a very difficult job for a craft brewer to do in isolation because you know you're looking at one brand trying to take you know a percentage of the tap bank that's you know in inverted commas unwarranted from a consumer viewpoint um so i I think if you stick to the discretionary taps um it gives you a better chance to start with um and and then from there becoming relevant to your consumer base and ensuring that um the brand is relevant to wherever you want to grow it you know so 
um, you know, you've got to start with where your home is. If your home's on the Mornington Peninsula and you're not strong in Mornington Peninsula, what hope do you have of selling it in Sydney or or Brisbane? You know, mm-hmm. so I think you've got to be strong activation-wise in your place, you know, wherever your brewery is or wherever your hospitality venture is. Um, I, I think that's important. And then you need um, a sales team, whether it's someone representing you or whatever to champion the brand. It's, you know, there are... There are a lot of customers out there and you need to provide a, a point of difference versus other brands that are out there and that can be incredibly difficult. I got the sense when you were speaking earlier that um, you were seeing potential for Mighty Craft to still continue towards being potentially a, a national brand. Jetty Road or Mighty Craft? Oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. Jetty, Jetty Road, sorry. Uh, yeah, well, mate, yeah, Jetty, 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 well, Mighty Craft is a, you know, a national company brand, but... Uh, Sorry, I misspoke uh, when I said uh, Mighty Craft. I think yeah. Mighty Craft's intention was to take Jetty Road National. Um, but for me, it's very difficult to be a successful national brand if you're not successful in your in your home market. Mm. Um, so, you know, for us, it may be a national brand over time. But, you know, I think first and foremost, the focus is to ensure that it's relevant on the peninsula um, and then in broader Melbourne and, and then take it from there. One of the things I've had some, as you as you said up front, I've had some great chats uh, um, with, with Mark Hazeman, and one of the yep. things he said post uh, COVID was, you know, the, the the major retailers were less willing to take on uh, you know, small craft brands um, as as national uh, distributions. Do you think that's something that would count against a, a brand like Jetty Road going national? Yes. Yeah, I'll, I'll take his word for it. I, I, yeah, I. I um haven't dealt with the yeah, big retailers in the context of being a you know small brand like Jetty Road, but I would imagine that would be um, difficult. You know, the, the big retailers are looking at creating um, provenance and, and that means sort of ranging local craft brands in areas where they have outlets. So, you know, we're ranged in, in all the national um, chains across the Mornington Peninsula, which um, is consistent with that strategy you outlined, but, you know, Getting Dan's to range uh, Jetty Road in Brisbane and Cairns would be difficult. Mm. Have you paid much attention to? We've seen a number of craft breweries uh, under financial uh, stress. Have you have you kept much of a watching brief on on what's happening? You know, in the, the Jetty Road size breweries nationally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I have. I, I, I don't know all the intricacies of of every brewery, but I. I do understand through the circles of people that I associate with that um, craft breweries are, are finding it more difficult than what they did maybe three or four years ago. Um, but I, I, I think it's a, a reality of what I said um, earlier around um, uh, the, the value equation uh, for consumers. Uh, but also the one thing that I didn't mention, supply costs are actually significantly higher um, supply chain costs are, are higher across every industry, but when when you're a small player trying to produce a beer, you know a 20% increase in your cost of goods would have a, a, a significant impact in your profitability. So that would also put people under a lot of pressure. Particularly, as you said, prices seem to have come down as opposed to going up to to, to meet those higher input costs. Yeah, higher input costs, uh, prices are coming down. Um, I don't I don't think you know. Everybody had the luxury of having um, a 
uh, a fat profit margin to be able to accommodate both of those variables um, moving that far unfavourably. Mm. Do you think there are too many small craft breweries have opened up on the you know bullishness for the future of the you know, to the category? Oh, I can't, I can't comment on whether they're too many or not, but I I, I think craft that the craft brewers and the influx of craft brewers, particularly over um, you know I'd say eight to four years ago, I think was really good for the industry. You know, they created a lot more uh, venues um, that weren't traditional pubs and you saw actually a lot more females visiting um, craft breweries. There was a lot more romance about the beer, which um, I think the category was missing over time. So I think, you know, the craft brewing revolution was actually good for beer overall. Um, but then over time, as things evolve, yeah, as we talked about earlier, if, you know, if costs go up by 20% and uh, the prices you sell for go down by 20%, it is hard to survive. Um, but 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 I do think overall it's been a great thing for the um, for the industry. Mm. So I mean, what what next for Jetty Road? I know you've only just uh, this has been in planning for a little while, and you've only just really made the announcement. Uh, will we see any changes uh, in the short term, or will it just be uh, continuing as it was? Uh, well, in short, it's continuing as it was. There's a cracking. Uh, brewery and uh, brew pub down in Dramana, which um, surprised a lot of us when we went there. It actually is, you know, in its own right, very good and um, great staff. Uh, uh, Molly's the manager down there; has been there for a couple of years. Uh, Sean's the brewer, um, knows everything about brewing. Uh, pleasantly surprised when met both of those two um, individuals. Um, you know, all all the staff were pretty much um, kept. Um, uh, over time, would look to um, increasing the spend. You know, there was really no spend on Jetty Road. So, you know, I'm hoping that if we have a podcast in a year or two's time, Matt, that uh, you'll tell me that we're a bit more present on the Mornington <laughs> Peninsula. You know, I know a few customers down on the Mornington Peninsula and, you know, they were interested in, you know, arranging it in some form and they hadn't done so for years and, you know, they were happy to see that um, we'd acquired it. Um, so I'm, I'm hoping we're... Um, more present down on the peninsula, whether it comes to ranging, whether it comes to activation at various festivals and events, footy clubs, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and then outside of that, we'll see where it takes it. You know, I, I think the quality of the beer was better than I expected um, uh, when we've tasted it. I, I was pleasantly surprised, particularly with the pale ale. I, I know it won a number of awards, but, it, you know, it was an exceptional pale ale, uh, which has done well for a reason. Um, so, you know, there's, there's probably zero chance of us changing the formulation on that. Um, and then with the other products, we'll see. You know, we'll, we'll do some uh, trials with uh, consumers and see whether we can refine it um, to, to be better tasting to the consumers we're targeting for the particular brand. This is an observation that uh, could be taken a number of ways. I just mean it very neutrally. But it, 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 it sounds like you've identified a good business opportunity here as opposed to buying this as a... Um you know what could be described as a as a passion project. Oh, I'm always interested in good business opportunities, Matt. Yeah, <laughs> you know the the, the business um, you know on its financials presented well. The brands in the brands in good shape, um, uh, and I, I do I do see it as being a good business opportunity. But I won't walk away from it. I, I have a passion for beer. You know, I'm passionate about beer. Have been um, through most of my lifetime, and even though I you know, left CUB just under a couple of years ago, I still 
have beer as my preferred drink of choice and probably will do so until you know the day that I can't drink anymore. Um, <laughs> and, so, so it's a combination of I think it's a combination of a good business opportunity and a passion project. Okay, and uh, one question to finish on uh, as somebody who identifies. Um, as you know, a, a beer drinker and someone who loves beer and has made a career in it, you know, what would you do to change the brand perception of beer itself to 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 strengthen it and see uh, you know consumers you know choose it as a more aspirational product uh, than some of the things that we we are, we are seeing in the RTD space? Oh well, that that'd be the, that could be the subject of another podcast. <laughs> um, I, I think it's a it's a big challenge and, you know, if it was easy to solve, I would have solved it in my time at um, uh, CUB. You know, the, 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 you know, the short answer is you just got to be – beer as a category needs to be relevant to more consumers across more age demographic and uh, genders, you know, versus what it is today. Um, uh, it, it, in terms of a barrier, it's not a barrier to men, but it is a barrier to uh, some females out there. As I mentioned earlier, the, the rise in craft breweries has changed that. You know, you do see groups of females frequenting craft breweries, so it's not all about a negative perception with beer, but it, it is a it is a difficult um, thing to be able to tackle in a 30-second answer. Mm. Mm. As you said, uh, yeah, it's it's been a bit of an intractable problem for the entire industry. Yeah, yeah. And, and you know, we've... We, we've tried to do a number of things over the years and continue to do so, you know, like, uh, but, but it's not as if um, uh, the beer industry has lost that battle, you know, there are the beers that have been brought out um, are continually, um, not, not all beers, but the ones that are working um, are fitting that bill. They've probably just done enough of them. Mm. Yeah. Well, and I'm a huge um, fan of the uh, marketing campaign around uh, you know a, a very you know Australia's leading beer in Great Northern. The way that it's very gently softened the you know once very blokey approach to, to, to beer, and also you know even even the the, the faces that you see in, yes. in in the ads are, are very different than you would have seen you know, two generations ago. Yeah, and that's a perfect example. You know, and you know there's. Not that it's the only reason, but you know it is a reason why you you have um, people across all ages, not just your fifty five year old guy, but you know people across all ages, male and female, drinking Great Northern. Mm. And I'm not sure that was the intention when we first launched it. Well, Peter Filipovic, you've uh, or Flip, I should say, um, you've you've uh, said once or twice on this that if we speak uh, in in the future we could uh, throw up a few threads and uh, I think I'll definitely be taking you up on that but for the time being thank you very much congratulations on the acquisition uh, of uh, Jetty Road and uh, all, all the very best thank you Matt very exciting opportunity ahead of us and that was Flip I'll call him Flip because everyone else does thanks for listening we'll be back this Thursday with our look at all of the news of the week we'll see you then <laughs>